In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's March 3rd, 2012, and you're listening to episode 31 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from playing Human Mattress Dominoes! Whee! This will actually make fun- make any sense later. I just hope the guy behind me is really cute. You won't be seeing him, though. I don't care. <laughs> It'll at least make it that much more fun. He can help you up once you pull your mattress off his shins. Yes. Blaming later, because it wouldn't be us if we didn't tease you. I am going to ki- I'm not going to comment on that. Thank you very much. <laughs> so how about we just mosey right on into Adventures in Knitting? Sure thing. Okay, I has a sweater. Yay! I has a completed, finished, even ends woven in and has been worn kind of sweater. Yes, yeah, so you even wore it to you wore it to work and to knit night. Yes, I did. This is Amused by Jordana Page and you can find it on Knitty. You can find it on Ravelry and it'll link you to the Knitty page. And it is made in the Madeline Tosh Merino in the boxwood colorway, so it's a nice evergreen. But one of the mods I did was that I know it's it's a three-quarter length sleeve, but I shortened them even more because I know I'm going to be sitting at the computer. Yeah. And they're only going to get pushed up to my elbows anyway. Yeah. So. Might as well. They're shortened to sit right at, um, not above the elbow, just right around the elbow. And because I am a little girl, but I have a curvaceous pear shape, I did not extend the, I did not knit the bottom ribbing band the full, I think it's something like, it's a lot of inches. I mean, you can see that from the picture. It's, it's quite a substantial band. Yeah. I didn't do that because it doesn't look good on my form. Yeah. So... I just knit it to where I wanted to stop. And I and the V draws a te- neck to it, and the detail of it draws attention up to your right. neck and your face. So, and your boobages. Okay. But yeah, and as the pattern says, this has no seaming, so you're able to try it on as you mm-hmm. go, which I love because I was trying it on like every couple of rows going, okay, okay, this looks good. Okay, okay, this... And this is where we stop. Okay. So yeah, I love it, and it's soft, and I wore it to work on Tuesday... And a couple people had were looking at me and doing the big question mark over their heads while I'm standing there going, Ta-da! Did you get your hair cut? Yeah. I knit the sweater. Oh, hey, I was looking at that. I'm oh, sure you were. But it is done. It is finished. And I've already cast on Evendim. Yay! <laughs> because this is going to be the year I knit for me, damn it. I am knitting Evendim. Evendim was in the Twist Collective, I think, a couple of issues ago. Uh, it says 2011 for the copyright at the bottom, so yeah. And it is done by Julia Trice. So it's one of those that does the way that the collar's been very fashionable of late, where it's to the side and the collar comes forward. Oh, what the heck, you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah, it's the collar sort of... It looks almost like the collar went up the neck, but it sort of has been unbuttoned and is folded down. Yeah, from the side folding down. Yeah. And I'm knitting it in Cascade in that lovely sort of French blue that doesn't have a real name, so we call it French Damask Blue. Yes. And I must say, I'm definitely feeling a difference between the Tosh to the Cascade, but eh, you know what? Yeah, it's pretty. Cascade is a good workhorse here. Yes. Now, I know that by the time I finish the sweater, it's going to be too damn hot to wear it. Mm. It's not going to stop me. <laughs> I'm still going to knit it because other than, like, the only things I've got to have to have to have to knit this year, I want to knit the dragon shawl for The Hobbit. Yep. 
and I want to do finish off the pair of socks for the Ravalympics. Mm-hmm. And I just mentioned Dragon Shawl. That's not an actual pattern name. That's no, just no, no. Your that's that, that's just yeah. my my name for it. Yeah. So the, I technically only have two things that have to have to have to be knit this year. Everything else is is free and fancy and okay, so I can't wear the sweater by the time I finish it. Big deal! Crank up the air conditioning for a couple hours in yeah. the summer, put it on, and then turn down the air conditioning before you cause a brownout. Stuff ice cubes down my down my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be good with the wool, though. No, okay, anyway, never mind. And let's see, other than that, I almost has a finished Watson. Ooh. Watson fits very well, and like I've said in the past podcast, it did take some ripping and re-knitting and ripping and re-knitting, mm-hmm. but he's fitting all right, and now I'm on the leg, and I'm probably a repeat and a half away from doing the ripping okay. at the top. And yes, this is only the first sock, but that's okay. This is my traveling knitting. This will go with me. Yeah, and it's a very easily memorizable pattern. So yes, really... it is. So there you are. There is my there's my adventures in knitting for the week. The big accomplishment was finishing off the sweater and then deciding whether or not, okay, am I going to finish off the Watsons before I cast on something? No- oh, forget that. Screw it. Yep. <laughs> cast on. Cast on. Okay, so speaking of Watsons, I am almost done mine. Both of them. Let me just double check and see how many little arrows I have. One, two, three, four, five on the second sock. So yes, I am ready to start the cuff on that one. And I will do so just as soon as I... Probably going to do like a couple more rows of ribbing at the top of my first Watson and then cast it off. And I should get pictures of it. And I should mention for when people actually see the pictures, I'm doing a uh, one by one twisted knit. Okay. Ribbing. So Just because I like it better. So does that mean that when you do the knit for the one by one, you you knit into the back of the yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. It's knit into the back loop, purl one, knit into the back, back loop one, purl one. Just because I find it makes it a little more, it's still very stretchy, but it makes it a little more Uniformed? Uh, okay. A little more tighter, I think. Okay. And it does have a nice sort of uniform look. I, I really like the look of it. But you can see I started off actually doing the regular one by one and I was like, eh, I like the twisted ribbing better. Yeah, I can't see a difference. It almost looks like a completely different gauge. Well, it probably is a different gauge because twisted stitches are smaller and tighter yeah. than regular stitches. Well, there you go. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so almost done. Yay. And I should mention, I don't think I mentioned the last couple weeks. I'm knitting this in Madeline Tosh sock in the green with envy colorway, which is from the Loopy U Constellation Sock Club. And I've looked a few places and I don't see this colorway listed anywhere. So it was a sock club special. It's sort of a a dark olivey green. It looks really brown in some lights. But it's very military. Yes, which is exactly what I was thinking. And then because I'm doing the stash down, and stash down also means excuse to cast on a million things. Yes, well, first, I started seeing everybody's like notes about their stashes in the stash down to see where the starting point is. I've worked a little bit on the koala. Koala? I still don't know if there's a special way to pronounce that. It's uh, K-W-A-L-L-A. And actually, it's actually, the pattern was sort of roundabout inspired by Twilight. Apparently it's from the Soctopus okay. book by Alice Yu. And she said uh, Koala is a, or Quillute, again, oh my god, we always have so many things we in this have, podcast, we have no idea how to pronounce. We have the worst like, freaking luck Oh my names. god, trying to remember how they pronounce it in the movies. Um, yes, Quillute, I think it is, word for whale, which is the, that's the, the native Okay. Group in that area of sort of southern Washington state. Tulligan area? State. The one that Jacob belongs to. But yeah. And the, the pattern is, is vaguely reminiscent of sort of like whale's tails. 
Oh, okay. But I'm knitting it in indigo dragonfly, um, merino cashmere nylon yarn Mm -hmm. in the this is a fertile land and we will thrive colorway. I'm just sort of thinking, like, I'm not sure this is, one, I'm not sure this is really going to fit my leg that well. Or if it's going to stretch out like crazy so that you can't really see the pattern. I really have to sort of pull it over my leg and see how it looks. And the only problem I'm having is that the merino cashmere nylon yarn is really, really soft and therefore kind of slippery. And it can be kind of difficult to do the cables with it, <laughs> especially as I'm not using a cable needle. So I might end up ripping this up. And I don't know if I'll cast on with the same yarn or if I'm going to do a different project from the same book. Okay. In this yarn. I don't know. We will see. I'm trying to That's get... That's the only problem with having, like, starditis is that I sometimes get really, really indecisive. And it'll be like, I don't know what this yarn wants to be. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm really trying to find out, figure out what to do... After the Watsons, I want to make some socks out of that yarn that I got off of you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my first sparkle yarn. And I'm trying to figure out what it wants vampire to be. Vampire socks. No, I'm not making vampire socks. Ooh, the staked socks that Glenna did. Okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. They're really cool socks. They have that really cool twisted stitch cable. They're they're called staked, and they're by Glenna C. Yeah. Who we've mentioned before. She did the Viper Pilot socks. Mm-hmm. And they've got these really cool twisted stitch cables that sort of angle across the foot and then go up the leg. Okay, maybe. So I was wondering if maybe I should do a Lord of the Rings like a Gandalf or a Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Sparkly. But anyways, we'll see. I've got mm-hmm. a little while. And then, because I've been casting on more stuff, I've had a hankering to do another shawl. Dude. So I brought out more of the Indigo Dragonfly Merino Cashmere Nylon Yarn. Dude! This time in the Gur Arg Mutant, Mutant Enemy colorway, which is a black and very dark purple. And this one, here, I'll spread it over my notebook so you can see it. Maggie, at least. And this is called the Vlad shawl. <laughs> <laughs> it's by Tammy Bailey. And I think it was actually like one of the patterns from a Indigo Dragonfly club. Nice. And it's really pretty so far, and it's not that hard to follow along on the chart. I was, I mean, I kind of had to keep careful attention of what I was doing, but then I should mention at the same time I was casting this on and working the, the first part of it, a couple friends had come over and we were watching Pride, not Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. Mm, okay. The one with Alan Rickman. <laughs> you were you were sensibly so, distracted. Yes, I was distracted by him, and I was distracted by them, considering all the the goofing around we were doing. Okay, and the the inevitable crossover jokes with Harry Potter, of course, that seemed to. But yes, it's really pretty so far, and it's got this almost like little rows of leaves pattern that go down in little rows, and then this sort of almost flame like. Well, I was going to say, consider considering the, the name of it. Are you sure they're leaves? Or you no, know, they might be like impaling stakes, perhaps. But it's really pretty so far, and I likey. And it feels nice to be doing another sort of fingering weight shawl. Okay. And doing something lacy. I have to go over, every so often I just have to do lace. I can't go too long without doing something lacy. It calls to me. <laughs> oh, I'm saving up my lace for the uh, for the smog dragon shawl. I think you had narrowed down the patterns. Yeah. I, after a recording, we went through and looked and, and I think you'd narrowed down the patterns, but hadn't actually made a decision. Yeah. Uh, I've got a little while. And speaking of the stash down, the thread is up in the Ravelry group. As I said in the initial post for it you make your own rules and your own goals for what you want to do and please share those rules and goals with us and let us know like what you plan to do and let us know if you fall down and you know talk to us if you need some encouragement consolation we will keep you honest personally my rules for this are going to be buying very limited amounts of yarn and only for a very specific project that cannot be filled with stash yarn Mm-hmm. until the Knitter's Frolic in Toronto in April. Okay. At the Knitter's Frolic, don't go crazy. Okay. 
but, you know, don't have to have, like, a specific project in mind. And, you know, preferably something that it... My general sort of rule for the last few sort of Knitter's Frolic or Knitter's Fairs has been trying to get stuff that I can't just order later. Right. I love Tannis' stuff, but I can order that off her website. Yes. At pretty much any time, because she pretty much dies on demand. It would be more like Indigo Dragonfly colorways. Yeah. Which, you know, some of them are not repeated or they're not always, you know, might be like a couple months between repeats and stuff like that. Right, right. After that, again, very, very limited yarn buying. Again, for a specific project, even better, don't buy any yarn until my birthday in July. Okay. At which point I will be able to buy yarn. Okay. But mainly if I have a gift certificate. Okay. And hold that until September at the Knitter's Fair. At which point all bets are off? At which point I will either remake some goals or all bets are off. Okay. I think that's pretty fair. Oh, and my my other rule... Oh, yeah. One of my other rules is that obviously tools and books are open season. Within reason. Like, I'm not going to go buying 200 bucks of books from Amazon. And then the last rule was that this... Doesn't count any yarn I might have ordered that already before March 1st that hasn't arrived yet. Which isn't much. Wait, so everything starts now. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, there was that one skein that I put in for our Blue Moon yes. order. And then last week I finally used a gift certificate that I think I got for my birthday last year. Okay. For, from uh, Sweet Georgia Yarns for, like, two skeins of yarn. Okay. So, like... That's not a lot. That's three skeins of yarn. I haven't bought yarn in a while. So, I mean, that's not a huge amount. That's not a lot, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was something I forgot to factor into that. That would be... Yarn clubs also don't count. Because <laughs> I forgot that the, the yarn club I'm in right now, you know, you have to re-register in May. Oops. That doesn't count. Would that be the Mean Girl Yarn Club? Yes. Which I will talk about more when this registration thing comes around. I have been in it for a, for a while now. I just haven't mentioned it because I didn't want to be like, Oh, hey, there's this really great yarn club. By the way, you'll have to wait nine months until you can, you know, register for it. Okay. I will describe more when it gets closer to people actually being able to join. Okay. But yes, that doesn't count. But yes, those are my rules. So I would love to hear other people's rules, hear other people's plans. I know there's someone else who has, like, she's been doing a stash down since, like, the beginning of the year, and she has, like, the number of yards that she's done mm -hmm. since the beginning of the year. So she now has, like, the two totals that she's going to be keeping track of, how many she's done for our stash down, and the total for 2012. And it's already already a pretty impressive number. So y'all need should go to the Ravelry group and check out that thread and see what people are doing. <laughs> and get inspired. Yeah, and hopefully I'm going to put out, I'm going to try and ask questions or something every couple weeks or something like that just to keep people posting, but I was going to, at some point, I'll probably ask people, like, what are your favorite patterns for using up stuff? Like sock ends or stuff like that. Yeah. If you're not doing the beekeeper's quilt. Yeah. What else would you do? Especially for those people, it's like, it's up to you whether part of a ball counts as not used. Like, it's up to you whether, you know, you weigh the end of a skein and decide that, you know, okay, that's how much you have left of that skein, or whether you just say, okay, that skein is used up. Okay. Oh yeah, and that was the other, my other rule for the stash down was sock yarn counts as stash. Because mm -hmm. as I said on the group, if I didn't count sock yarn, my stash would be probably 75% smaller. Yes. And that would be lying true. to myself. Yeah. That would be like, excuse me, I'm on a high, pri high price cruise down denial. <laughs> With the rest of all your non-existent stash. Yeah. And the other thing is vacation yarn counts as stash. Mm-hmm. 
but doesn't have to follow the same rules as must be for a project. Because vacation yarn, you might find something that's just from a local dyer yeah. or... Yeah, and that's, the, again, that's the sort of philosophy I've had the last couple times I've gone on vacation. It's like, okay, it doesn't, it counts as stash. It doesn't have to fit a project, but it should be something that I can't find at home. Yes. But yes, those are my personal rules. You may adopt any of those that you may like. And you may, you know, go ahead and make up your own rules because... You know, as I've, I think I said last week, like, everybody knows their own stash. They know, you know, how much stash they need to acquire or get rid of or, you know, what areas of their stash they really need to use up. Like, do they have a whole ton of sock yarn? So you make up your own rules for that. We're just here to root you on. So shall we move on to, into Geek Squee? Geek Squee! And speaking of Squee... O-M-G. Yeah, another O-M-G squee. So the Avengers trailer came out. Another no Avengers one. trailer. The new improved version 2.0 Avengers trailer. That gives us a bit more background about what all of the characters are going to be dealing with. It's not just a bunch of things going splody and a bunch of really cool shots with people's hair flying about. Yeah, this one really gives a lot more of an impression of story and character arc in it, which is yes. really interesting. Because it looks like the beginning of it is like assembling the team and, you know, trying to get trying to get the team together in the sense that some of them are like, oh, hell no. And some of them are like, oh, and Tony Stark is all like, yeah, I thought you said I didn't play well with others. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the Hulk's problem being the Hulk. Yeah, hulking out. Yeah, which is why he goes and he lives in, on his own to begin with. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Banner, it's time to come in. What if I don't want to? I'll persuade you. And I'm like, oh, widow, I've got to see this. What the <laughs> hell do you think you're going to do? Seriously. Then we get we get sort of that idea of the bringing together the team and then seeing the team try and figure out how to work together, which right. seems like the big sort of character arc and what may be another sort of plot line in the movie. Because remember, all of these characters have had their own movies in and of themselves. So they've all been the alpha fish of whatever yeah. bowl they've been into. And now all of these, you know, fighting fish have been put into the same bowl and been told to work together. Yeah, to play nice. Which you normally don't do to a bunch of alphas. And you know Tony Stark doesn't take... Backseat to anything. Yeah. Doesn't take backseat and doesn't take orders from anyone. So he's not going to play well with other people telling him. If he takes backseat to anything, it's only because he knows he's got the eject button for the seat in front of him. Yeah. And it does a wily e. coyote <laughs> sort of eject, and then he, he, you know, shuffles forward and says, Okay, now, I am now flying the plane. Yeah, and it looks like he's butting heads with Thor and Captain America, oh, basically. Big time. Please. <laughs> I mean, th there's that whole problem about responsibility and morals that get in that way. Yeah. Tony Stark's a big kid. Okay, yes, he is. <laughs> he's a big teenager, basically. He, he, he is, as he said, philanthropist, you know, genius, whatever, whatever. He's still a big kid with a bunch of expensive toys. He just happens to have built them himself. Yeah, because he's also got the really big smarts, which is possibly not a great combination with being a really big kid. Oh, um, there goes that ego. That big ego, yeah. Yes. Whereas a lot of the others, like Captain America, came from the exact opposite kind of background. Yeah. And then there's Thor, who's like, dude, I am a god. Yeah. I should listen to you. Why? <laughs> yes. And this actually all coincides. I remember I was talking about it way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. This is actually following the storyline of the cartoon series when mm -hmm. they were all coming together. The team, quote unquote team, yeah. picked any excuse to pick a fight with each other. <laughs> any excuse. So yeah, that looks like it's going to be an interesting sort of subplot. Yeah. That goes through. 
And of course, the favorite part of the the whole trailer. Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. And then just to see the look on Widow's face, there's all sorts of what the going on in her face. Yeah. I cannot wait to see this movie. Oh, I know. May 4th? Yeah. Dude, we are so going to see that. I'm so going to see that. I I want to see if they preserved the romance that's supposed to be between Widow and Hawkeye. I can see them teasing it. Because there was supposed to be... I I don't think this is spoilery because I obviously don't know if it's going forward like that. They are supposed to be romantic antagonists against each other. There is backstabbing and double-crossing. Ooh. And there is double agenting and culminating in new sort of romance. This sounds like it could be interesting. Well, I'm wondering if they're going to preserve that in the Mm. movie. Because, yeah, that would be totally interesting and throw the entire team for a freaking loop. Yeah. To have a relationship right in the middle of it. (laughs) This should be very interesting. Okay, I've paged Hulk, I've paged Thor... I've paged Captain America. Where the hell is Hawkeye? And where the hell is Black Widow? Never mind. We'll do this on our own. <laughs> it's only a le- it's only a level three critical damage um, emergency. We can handle this on our own. We don't need them. <laughs> if the Avengers H- HQ is a rockin', don't come a knockin'. I wonder if they're gonna have the HQ too, because apparently t- in the cartoon Tony Stark built a huge he put Jarvis into the house which totally Mm. freaked Thor out to begin with in you know (laughs) why is this devil house talking to me yeah his quote was the house speaks it is most disconcerting and of course Captain America took a while to adapt to that too yeah okay so anyways Avengers trailer mega awesome yes still things lots of going splody yes Loki still looks all kinds of smexy evil Furthering into that, we now have a bit of a plot line that we're starting to look at. Yeah. Okay, so we've mentioned a few times on here the CBS upcoming series Elementary, the modern day Sherlock Holmes set in New York City. Yes, the one... Well, they've done some casting. Oh, really? And actually, they had already cast Johnny Miller as Sherlock. He's been in... He was in... There was a TV show called Eli Stone that he was in. Okay. I, I know him from the most recent film version of Mansfield Park. He's probably one of the one of the people you might recognize if you see him. Yeah. He was also, interestingly enough, in the National Theater version of Frankenstein with Benedict Cumberbatch. Really? Yes. So who played the monster? Actually, there was, it was really interesting. They did... They both had the theater performance and they broadcast it live at movie theaters. Okay. All over the... All over the world, I think. And actually, there was one performance where Miller played Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, and Cumberbatch played the monster. Really? And then for another performance, they, they switched. It's really interesting to watch. The trailer is basically like reciting lines from the play and they both sort of like fade in and out of... It, it's trans... It goes from, you know, seeing... One of them to the other one and back, and it's really interesting it's to watch. It's trippy. Apparently, I think they're gonna they're gonna, actually gonna be doing a rebroadcast of it. I would really like to see soon. that. Yeah, I really want to see it. But anyway, so they've uh, been doing some more casting for Elementary too. They've cast Watson. Watson is going to be played by Lucy Liu. What female Watson? This could be interesting. Okay, I am now. You have my attention. Yes, my interest level just went up a little bit. I was already kind of curious just to see how this was going to be. Right, right. But not expecting a huge amount. My interest is now a little higher. I would especially love it if they, like, please, please, please let them keep Watson's military background. That would be kind of awesome. I'm still wondering how they're going to do the Holmes-Watson dynamic. Yeah. Especially since I want Watson to be awesome, because it's also Watson's also a female character in this one. Yeah. I don't want it to be totally overshadowed by... 
Holmes. Yeah, because Holmes is the eccentric. I mean, he yeah. he is the the forward thinking, beyond genius brain of the pair. And Watson, at least in the stories and whatnot, he starts as the tag along and then develops his own theories mm-hmm. and his own dynamic. You kind of don't want to, at, at least from a girl's point of view, cheering on that Lucy has been cast in what would normally be a, a men's role. You don't want it to be the typical beginning of Watson where he's somber and bland until he starts his relationship with Holmes. I don't I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to see her bland and then see her blossom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I just think it's, it's something that they could... Because Watson is is the sidekick. It's you know. I just want to want them to do a good job of having yeah. a female sidekick. Yeah. Or not as much of a sidekick, but you know, more of a co-star. Yeah. Because sort of deal. because we all know that without Watson, Sherlock knows that he's less of himself. Yeah. And actually, when you say the relationship, that of course makes me wonder if they would ever go like the romantic relationship. Oh, considering sort of how way. how often the bromance has been shipped. Oh my God. Well, they'll have the chance to address it certainly. Yeah. I kind hope not. I mean, they, they they play up the whole broma- bromance and are they gay in the BBC version mainly for the lulls. Hmm. Or just because it's funny. It'd be kind of neat if in this version, when you had when you set it up so that you could do probably a more I'll say a more a more network acceptable romance. Okay. Because I don't know how close the network's been ready to, to do something like that in prime time. It'd be kind of nice if Watson, in this case, was like, you know, Holmes is my best friend, but damn, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. I really like him. I love him as a friend, as a brother, but holy crap, I'm not stepping in that pool of crazy when it comes to, you know, relationship. <laughs> that would be kind of refreshing. So, okay, so this this looks like it is worth a chance. Yeah. This series. Again, it'll be interesting to see. Okay. I have also seen the Hobbit set video blog. Ah! I believe I found this on the Mary Sue, and it is just what it sounds like. It's behind the scenes of filming the Hobbit, mm-hmm. and of course they can't show you any of the stuff that's actually on camera. Yeah, but there's you get to see the cast having lunch. You get to see them getting their makeup on. You get to see them walking around half in costume, half without, and you get to see a lot of the beautiful places that they get to go to. Now mm. we all know that Lord of the Rings was filmed in New Zealand, and it's being filmed there again. And the funny thing was that you saw how they traveled. It was, it was kind of like the little dot line on the maps, and every mm-hmm. few days they traveled to another place. And every time they stopped and set up for shooting, somebody would say, oh my god, this is the most beautiful place we've ever been to. And then three days later, oh my god, this is my favorite place to shoot, ever. <laughs> three days later after that, oh my god, this place is beautiful, I never want to leave here, I want to stay here forever. All over, apparently, all over New Zealand, there was there was what looked like tundra, because it was on mm. a mountainside, then there were waterfalls, and then there were cliffs, and then there were, mm. and, and, and... I want to go. And at one point, they were filming at one of the oldest conservation parks in the world. Mm-hmm. where the specimens of plants and earth structures were millions and billions of years old. And to preserve it, they had to build a scaffolding so that the crew and the machinery and everything else like that mm-hmm. wouldn't be trampling down the ancient specimens of moss and lichen and other things. Other yeah. things like that, which is which is really nice to show that they have that respect for the environment, etc. Yeah. And Andy Serkis, who was Gollum for the first three movies, is now the second unit director. 
which mm. means he gets to fly in a chopper. <laughs> he gets to do all those wide panoramic shoots and say, okay, now let's bank left. And yeah, they have a couple of neato things. Like one of the actors who plays a, one of the dwarves never ridden, ridden in a helicopter before. And he got to in in half dwarven dress. The catering crew for the set, they know that between all of the movement and because people are doing night shoots and day shoots and afternoon shoots and you basically shoot when you're told to, a lot of people lose track of the days. So every Friday, they wear suits. I'm talking <laughs> like the tweed bow tie three-piece, even a bowler hat and an umbrella type thing. They serve in suits. That's the kind of camaraderie that they sort of had. And it was really funny to see a lot of the actors with their whacked-out, crazy dwarven... Because each of the dwarves... And everybody's probably seen the trailers now. Each of the dwarves has this personality that I think comes out through A, their beard, and B, their hair. <laughs> it was really funny to see them walking around with the hair and the face done. And they're walking around in what looks like these padded overalls. And it's it's the dwarven body that they have to wear underneath all of the armor and whatnot. But when it's hot and they, you know, do as guys do with overalls and they just undo it and let it hang from their waist, mm -hmm. against the size of the nose and the hair and the beard that we're looking yeah. at, the torsos look so small and skinny and they... <laughs> They look like kids. It's really juxtaposed bizarre. I mean, I know that they are normal, normal-sized men and people because you probably couldn't go through this mm -hmm. kind of trek and adventure, yeah, without having a little bit of meat on your bones. But just because of the makeup and the costuming and whatnot, oh, it looks so strange. But it was really, really fun to watch. I really have to check this out. I think you do. I think you would really like it. It's especially Mr. Armitage sitting on his horse. Oh, hello. And the funny thing is, Armitage, as, as guys will do, because they're not used to having lots of, you know, long hair. Yeah. He does a hair flip, and then five seconds later, his horse does the same thing. They, they actually showed, this, this is a good thing to note, perils of recording in the wild. They did the scene in The Hobbit where the dwarves have to be in barrels that float down a river. So they're doing the shot, and they're they're on both sides. You know, there's equipment and the crew on both sides of the river. And then uh, Peter Jackson gets a phone call from the police saying, you guys need to wrap it up because there's a severe weather alert coming in. And he says he's never seen crew pack up so fast. And then you fast forward to the next day. Everywhere people were standing was underneath raging water. The river rose 20 to 30 feet. Yeah. Overnight. Like flash flooding. Yeah. And he's like, the crew, the actors, the director was standing there. And I'm like, yeah, let's not forget the director. Yeah. He's the important one. Yep. I highly recommend you guys go uh, check it out. It's lots of fun. And they're planning on having another one. Yay. And, oh, I'm thinking of behind the scenes, previews of movies and stuff. Yep. There were like 40 pictures from Mirror Mirror that have been released this week. Really? Which show off all of the very, very colorful costuming. It's like, I think they described it on I io9, I believe, as Technicolor. Which, yeah, if you think about like the early like Technicolor movies... Where, like, there was tons of color all over the place, except clean up the film quality yeah. to modern standards, and whoa, damn, my retinas. There's, it looks like one of the ball scenes where Maggie and I were looking at it, and we were like, oh my god, that guy is wearing four different patterns in his shirt and his vest and his breeches and his jacket. Yeah. 
And they're all, like, very wild patterns. Yes. Some of them are somewhat 60s reminiscent. You, you could say that nothing matches... But it's okay because nothing matches anything in the whole scene, it yeah. seems like. Everything is just wild and crazy. So. Oh, I, I tell a lie. One woman's lipstick matched her hair. They were both blue. I Which keep... is not the things you would usually think yeah. to match, though, so I it's not really... I keep saying that it looks like, it looks like Whoville, but Karen is, is actually more accurate. It looks like Whoville done by Tim Burton on LSD. She's yeah. actually quite accurate Thank, with yeah, that. Yeah, Whoville plus... Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Plus LSD. Yes. Damn. I cannot imagine the size of the costuming department they must have had for that movie. And like they, must, they would have had to have like seven people working just on Julia Roberts's dresses. Yes. Because those things are huge and they are detailed. Yes. And and we're not just talking hoop skirts. We're talking like hoop planets. Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking panniers that you could you know be Mother Ginger in the Nutcracker for like hide yeah. children. And smuggle families with. Yeah. Multiple young men. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, anyways. Yeah, like, the sort of dresses, like, forget coming through a regular door. You need to go through, like, an aircraft hangar door to get through those. <laughs> like, they might not fit, like, seriously, some of them might not fit through a single car garage door. Yes, that's or at true. Least they'd, or they'd be sweeping the sides. Yes. Like, just sweeping the sides. You know, I, I had, for my wedding, yes, I had a big poofy skirt that had crinoline and stuff underneath. But this makes my crinoline skirt look, you know, just somewhat blasé and deflated. Makes it look like flapper-style fashion. Yeah. I have to wonder how much of the budget went, went to into the costuming. the costuming. And the staffing for the costuming department. We were saying, wow. okay, bring me... All of the costuming students you can find. Okay, everybody, everything that you've learned about the history of costuming, forget it. We want it all. <laughs> and we want it all together. Yeah, it certainly looks like this movie's going to be a big, lavish spectacle. Yeah, that, I mean, we have to clarify, that's at least for the cases of the courts that we've mm -hmm. seen. Because what we have seen of the seven dwarfs and their environment, it's been extremely low-key and monotone. It's been fairly monotone, but, I mean, there was all that, on the interior of the dwarfs, there was all that kind of... It was a, looked like it was painted. It, yeah. Like it, all these, it, these like, I'm not not exactly paisley, but... I would say a damask yeah. pattern Yeah, that was painted on the interior. All over of their, the walls yeah. and the ceiling and everything. So there is a lot of detail there. It just tends to be in very earthy yes, browns monotones. and it's a very deep reds. That Something sort of thing. very contrasting to the court scene, which is the ridiculous cartoon colors that we've been talking about. Yeah. Which is, you know, obvious stylistic choice, really. Yes. I think I'm going to have to count how many costumes Snow White has in that movie. Because there was, like, the that pastel dress. Yeah. There was the swan dress. Yes. There was... The blue and orange. The blue and orange dress. There was the pirate, pirate wench. wench. There was at least one other, I think. But yeah, this movie like it's gonna it looks like it's going to be wild and crazy and fun. <laughs> and then there's you know I'm we're obviously still waiting for the snowman, Snow White and the Huntsman, which looks more like creepy and and thriller, darker and, and suspenseful. And show and me more of that with that's big battle scenes. Show me more of that man that has a Scottish accent and is sweating and doing manly things. And, and who is Thor? Yes. He's just going to be remembered as Thor forever. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Um, but it's just because that was, that was the first thing that I saw him in. And then I'm like, okay, that is his face. Yeah. This is what he looks like. In the Avengers trailer, when he lands on, I think it's a plane or whatever it is that's mm -hmm. zooming through the air, he lands and you see that shot of him going like this and his hair streaming behind him. <laughs> I kind of just want to grab the TV and go be by myself. 
I have a little Emma Watson notice. Ooh. Emma Watson is going to be... I know we talked about before that uh, she's being either signed or headhunted to do Beauty and the Beast. In the I, think she, I think it, by the sound of it, she was definitely doing she it. She was yeah. definitely doing it. She's also doing Sofia Coppola's The Bling Ring. And if you're not sure what this is, it's actually a true story from 2009 where a bunch of girls from an affluent background decided that they were going to create a small cat burglar club, but they selected only A-list celebrity houses, and houses like Lindsay Lohan, Orlando Bloom, and they took only specific items of jewelry or small token items, none big things, because... Yeah. I mean, and obviously they, they didn't need cash or anything like that. It was a thrill ring. Yeah, it was for the sounds of it. It was for the challenge by the sound of it. And specifically for also the targets. And Emma Watson looks like she is going to be one of the lead cat burglars in this ring. This will be an interesting contrast to the goody-goody Hermione Granger. Yeah, this should be really interesting to see. Because even with Beauty and the Beast, she would probably, she is still, even if she's a strong character as Belle is in Disney, yeah. She is still the damsel that is the prisoner of a beast. Yeah. The bling ring is much... Be inter- this one would... She would be the bad girl. Yeah. Which would be interesting. She is still sort of the hero in Beauty and the Beast. That would that would be really interesting. Like Hermione Granger in black leather. Hermione Granger gone to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when good nerds go bad. Well, hey, I always have said I would be the details person in a bank robbery ring. So it's all those little... All those that research and stuff that, you know, nerds love. Yep. And moving on to something that is just completely wacky and references what we were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, recently, there was a new world record set. The largest human mattress dominoes <laughs> ever knocked over. <laughs> I found this on Nidorama, And you just have to see this video. You have to. It's so funny. It's people standing in... Big sort of, I'm trying to think of the the thing to, des- the way to describe it, in rows that sort of curve into the next row at the end. I'm making the hand movement right I know now. you're making the hand movement, think but I Think of like switchbacks on a road. There you go. <laughs> and everyone's standing there with their back against a mattress held upright, which they're holding with their hands. Somebody gives the first guy a push, and he falls backwards with the top of the mattress hitting like the knees or the upper shins of the person behind them. They start falling backwards. Yeah. And the next person, and the next person, and the next person, next person. 850 people, I believe they said, in human dominoes. I can't remember. Where did this take place? Somewhere big and large and not having a lot of buildings, obviously. Yeah, it was 850 people in New Orleans. The video is courtesy of the Telegraph newspaper in the UK. Don't give any more information. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious to watch the little bounce as people fall. We're watching the video right now. Hopefully oh nobody God. gets scared halfway through. Yay, <laughs> the streamers! Yeah, it looks like they're in a very large, like, convention center space. And they're all bouncing on the mattresses <laughs> yeah. like kids. And when they, when they succeed, they're all jumping up and down on their mattresses. That's pretty amazing. And it looks like fun, really. Okay, yeah. Whee! Thump. And from one absurd yet adorable thing to some, our first item of cravings, covets, and crushes, I was looking through Ravelry the other week for a tea cozy or French press cozy because mom and I drink a lot of loose leaf tea. Okay. So we use the French press or the uh, teapot fairly often. And I found a Dalek French press cozy. Yeah, not joking. Called Caffeinate. <laughs> I had to look at this about three or four times to go, is that, is that, is that seriously? That's, yep. That's, That's what Dalek. that is. 
It's awesome! It uses ribbing and baubles. Like I said, it's called the Caffeinate Press Style Coffee Maker Cozy. It's by Corinna Blasco, published in Heathcote Road, and it's a free pattern. There are some errata, so if you download the pattern, make sure you check that out as well. It says the pattern has now been free formatted to five pages. The pattern is written on pages three and four if you want to print only the necessary pages. And she said she's tried to clarify the pattern in terms of when to knit back and forth and when to work in the round. So it looks like probably, I'm guessing, like, you know, you knit the bottom part in the round and then where the, the handle of the French press cozy is you knit back and forth yeah that makes sense and then you go back to working in the round around the top that makes sense and even has like a little lid and everything like it covers the whole thing yes it does it does there's just a little opening for the spout i really want to make this my mother would think i was crazy (laughs) and would not get it but i really want to make this oh she says that the navy blue version of it that she displays on the pattern page was made with about 80 grams of cascade 220 so that'd be a good idea if there's like a leftover skein from you know sweater or something so aran or worsted weight yarn yes and then the other thing i found along the same vein was the reversible tardis slash dalek tea cozy so it's reversible Yep, the outside, or one side is the TARDIS, the other side is a Dalek, and this is for a teapot. The outside has, like, the windows and police box written around the top. Yeah. And it looks like it has, a like, a drawstring or something to sort of keep it cinched around the top of the teapot. It's another free Ravelry download, and that one's by Peach Craft, with a K. So, K-R-A-F-T. And again, you can find that one on Ravelry. <laughs> In case you want to add some British sci-fi to your tea-drinking experience. I want to mention something very dear to my heart because I can't wait for this movie to come out. Karen pointed out to me this week, if you can find the Disney Pocket Princesses in, it's on a website called My Junk Drawer, and the address is Amy, A-M-Y, Meberson, M-E-B-B-E-R-S-O-N dot Tumblr dot com. You will be able to see all of the one-shot comics or one-page comics that she has for various genres, but she does specialize it seems in the disney princesses and my favorite is number five yeah pocket princesses number five where merida is drawing back her bow and pointing it directly at aurora aurora from sleeping beauty and saying i got your wee credentials right here (laughs) <laughs> and Mulan is standing behind Aurora going, ooh, I like her. These are insanely adorable. I want prints of these so bad. I know. They're so cute. They are super cool. There was actually a new one that she posted, I think today, or at least since the last time I looked at this. And it's Tiana and Rapunzel are sort of at a kitchen table and you see Snow White running away in the background. And Rapunzel has a nice big pie in front of her and Tiana's telling her, oh, honey, Not Apple. They're so cute. I love the way she draws them. They're so adorable. My parents have seen the trailer for Brave and they said that they love how it seems that Disney has captured my stubborn spirit because everybody that I've met has said that Merida looks just like me and I am so damn proud of that. (laughs) Yay! I am so debating going as Merida for Halloween. Do it. Well, you have the corset. I have the corset too. Yeah, I'll just have to find two parties. And then, I think I've mentioned before that I I generally look through the library's catalog every once in a while to see what knitting books might be on order. And we just got the new edition of The Principles of Knitting by June Hemmons Hyatt. This book is huge. It is enormous. And I'll probably talk talk about it more in detail at another time when I've actually had time to look at it more. But, oh 
Holy crap. It's like the Bible and all affiliated works. There are 712 pages, including the index, admittedly, but even without the index and without the, the bibliography, there's 664 pages. It has everything you could possibly need to know in here by the looks of it. And I cannot wait to absorb all the information. Oh my god, there's like a million kinds of cast-offs in here and cast-ons and all sorts of wonderful things. So I would definitely suggest if you have a yarn store near you that has this or a bookstore, you definitely, or a library, you definitely need to take a look through it and see the wealth of information for yourself. I was describing it to someone else the other day as like, this is like a PhD course in knitting. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that parallel. And yeah, I will definitely give a more thorough review later when I've had a chance to read through it and get over the, oh my God, so much. But yes, so that's The Principles of Knitting by June Hammonds Hyatt. And like I said, more full review later on, but giving you a heads up that, wow, this looks like it has all the things. It has all the things and then more. Yes. I want to know all the things. Of course you do. And then you want to knit all the things. Okay, I need to put the book away, otherwise we'll finish. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely just wanted to make people aware of it if they weren't already. Because it has been, it, there was a previous edition, it's been out of print for a long time now. Which means it's one of those books that has been getting some very large prices on eBay. Like $100, $200, wow. $300 for a copy. This one is newly revised and updated. But anyways, I think that's going to be us for a while, because I think Karen wants to go and stick her nose in this book. Yeah, I think I also need some sleep. Because <laughs> it was a very long day. Caffeine! Yes. I needs me some caffeine. Well, we have that for you. Yay! I needs me some food. Yeah, Miss decided not to bring any food down with her. Nom nom nom. Okay. For the good hour of discussion we do before the podcast. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, let's go get you fed. Okay. So, have a good week, everybody. Feel free to join in the stash down, come in and lurk or cheer, or definitely check out the thread if you might be looking to increase your stash, because I think there's going to be some people de-stashing getting rid of stuff. Mega cool. All right, everybody. Be good to each other. Bye-bye. Have a good week, guys. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek Two. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com/knitonegeek2. Have a good week, everybody.